0: Hello and welcome to Property Matters, a weekly catch up on all matters property supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook and our website propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're uh, watching on the website, don't forget to hit that Google review button right there on the homepage. And you can also leave your comments on the comments section on social media, wherever you're watching us today. And if you'd like to email us, the address is hello at tv.co.uk property matters is also available as a podcast on all of these major platforms and I'm pleased to say we're also live on dilsa radio as well which is great news so let's take a look at today's stories with our property expert of course joe joshi morning joe good morning paul and good morning to all of our listeners
1: and our viewers of course um uh being uh, on a sunday morning I'm sure some of you are still having a nice lie in
0: Yeah, absolutely. Easter Sunday. There's a there's a thing getting up and working on Easter Sunday. Mind you, we did Christmas Day. So this is an easy one. This is walk in the park. Excuse me. So anyway, let's just take a look at our first story today. And I cannot believe the headline that I'm reading in the news this week, the property news this week, UK housing model is broken, says none other than Michael Gove. Uh, The assessment came in a recent collection of essays by conservative think tank Bright Blue, in which Gove emphasised the urgent need for more homes to be built to increase accessibility to home ownership. With comments first reported by the Times newspaper, Gove wrote, ''We desperately need more homes to bring ownership within reach of many more people.'' In another essay in the report, Conservative Sean Bailey said uh, he criticised the lack of uh, progress in house building over the past two decades, stating that over the last 20 years, the supply of good quality housing was completely failing uh, to keep pace with demand, causing ever increasing house prices. And in their 2019 manifesto, of course, Joe, they promised to build 300,000 homes in England every year by the mid-2020s. However, the government has since faced pressure on the issue of housing, and with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak saying that the target is rather advisory than mandatory. And Robert Jenrick, who we've mentioned many times on this show, has warned the government will miss its target by a country miles. So why do you think they've suddenly come out and admitted this now when they're supposed to be fixing the thing?
1: Well you know what they say the best form of defense is to attack, isn't it? So uh, here we are just uh, pushing the, 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 the whole thing on something else completely, but um, the government has um, definitely failed to meet any targets and of course are responsible to a large extent for the, uh, the housing crisis that they say, and as Gove says, is broken is broken because they've been in government now for some time. The targets are just not being met the demands are always very very high for property and moreover it's not just general property it's the affordable section that is just not being reached people are not being able to get onto the housing market ladder housing property ladder the first run of it it's just not been possible let alone enough um uh rentable properties letable properties that they can actually you know go and have a reasonable rents to pay to uh, to be able to have a roof over their own head um, and <clears throat> so thus uh, as Gove says it's a, a model that is broken um, it's a model that is broken because they they're not actually in my opinion and this is my opinion of course um, they are not looking at what is in the cupboard and I've said this many a times before and i show that they've got plenty of stock that they just don't seem to replenish themselves and keep looking over the garden fence to see what else they can do, when actually they need to come in and take stock of what they've actually got. And there's lots and lots and lots and lots of properties throughout the country that the government owns or has control over through the councils or the local authorities or through the housing association, all bodies that are partly government run and have all these properties that are just not maintained, not dealt with, not put back out so people can actually have them to rent or to buy simply because they keep thinking that they've got to build more houses and they've got to do other things. When actually, I think they will be quite shocked as to what is sitting in their cupboards, which they're not spent. They spend money on silly things, simply to kind of try as, as as somebody said before, and we'll say it again, is to be sort of just winning votes, but they're not gonna win votes by doing what they're doing. They're gonna, you know, not get the trust in. And this, this comment about the UK housing model is broken, is broken fundamentally because they've been in charge for some time and they haven't been able to fix it. And every time, I mean, I think was it uh, some weeks ago we we reported that we'd had something like 20 housing ministers in the last God knows how many
0: yeah, um, right. years.
1: You know, it's just yeah you know, they don't know. They just give somebody the, the job the job to come and do, um, which they don't understand. They don't they they, they don't really want to. They actually the truth is I don't think they really want to um, sort it out because it's a good problem for them, um, and it creates jobs. It creates you know more work, it creates all sorts of things. And I just don't think that they actually want to fix it. But if they do want to fix it, I don't think that it's too difficult to fix.
0: Well, the bright blue report, Joe, comes out with 60 policy recommendations. Amongst those is obviously increasing the number of social homes, no surprising, a decentralising planning power, which they were going to do, but they seems to have been brushed under the carpet, creating a community right to buy scheme, and uh, encouraging the use of brownfield sites. Well, I suppose they're doing that to some extent already, but nobody really wants to uh, overlook the railways. But it doesn't seem to be already or, or some other um, industrial um, uh, complex, but seems to be that's where they're building now. But um, uh, the interesting one was this community right to buy. What do you um, understand that to mean, Joe?
1: Well, the community right to buy, I mean, in terms of um, built properties and, of course, land and, and um, areas that they could afford to. Um, take back in are um, perhaps things like churches, church areas, community halls, military halls, government, you know, um, air force places. These these are things that are community properties sites, which I don't know if you've recently seen, and I'm sure some of our viewers and listeners would have seen, that the government is looking to rehouse you know, immigration um, people, uh, uh, asylum seekers, onto an airfield because they think that that again that is as a, a stupid as a silly a, a circumstances that anybody could come up with when they could actually you know use those areas in much much different ways than trying to put up um, prefab cheap um, things just to rehouse people out of hotels so I think the community scenario is that they're not utilising what they have got, again, I'll go back to my phrase at the beginning, they're not looking in their own cupboard, they've got things in their own cupboards that they can actually utilise more effectively and probably get better planning and up themselves planning to do the social housing.
0: It's interesting, actually, one of the commentators says that neither the Tories or the Labour Party have tried to reverse the negative effects of right to buy since the 1980s, which is the true source, in their opinion, of the housing crisis, when Margaret Thatcher sold all those council houses to, to people who then sold them on. Um, at great profit and then went on a cruise around the world and uh, now they're owned by slum landlords in the center of London as we saw on yep. panorama a few weeks ago where they turned a three bedroom property into um a house an HMO of six people um and uh, the landlord was taking 900 and something pounds a month off each of them yep. and when they took the I don't know if you saw it but when they took the lady back to show her the property she could not believe yep. there were six people living in her house where there used to be two of them and, uh, you know, when you look at situations like that, then you can see how broken the situation is. Um, and uh, so he says he said that he reckons it's going to cost about £125 billion pounds over 10 years to solve the problem. And whilst that seems like a lot of money, it's a drop in the ocean compared to what was spent on COVID, for example.
1: Yes. I mean, COVID and the housing crisis are two separate issues. But, of course, COVID was something that we... Um, nobody actually knew it was coming around the corner i mean if, if it if they did we didn't know about it until it was literally at our doorstep and then all of a sudden we had to uh, act on it and not only did the government pay uh, heavily for it but we all did in many many ways um ways that some people will never ever recover from losing members of family not being able to see family and all that other stuff that went on so Kobe was a different but housing market wise I think that they um, just haven't, you know, got it right. They, they keep looking at how they're going to change that. But actually, my view is that they can actually do a lot with what they've already got. And actually, that would be more vote winning. You can stop, I don't know, 100 people in a town and ask them. And they'll tell you that, you know, they know of a property in their street that has been boarded up for some time whether it's a a property that has been repossessed by a mortgage company, or whether it's a property that was uh, repossessed or or for some reason by the the local council, they then don't use the resources that they've got at their uh, fingertips to go and get that house refurbished and tidied up and cleaned up as quickly as possible and put another family in it. It sits there for months, if not years, before someone, someone said it's more than my job's worth to X, Y, Z, but they continue to look at the next one and go, oh, well, we need more housing. We need more people. We need more uh, social housing. When actually, uh, you're absolutely right in in bringing bringing forward that the Margaret Thatcher days of selling council houses was probably the beginning of these crises. But they still have a lot of houses, Paul, that they, and flats and blocks of flats, that are there. i mean i know in my local area i could walk the streets and tell you a number of properties that have been sitting there uh, with with you know uh, steel grates on them to stop um vandalism and to people going in there and so forth and it actually is a block of four that i can come to my mind straight away and it's been like that for about two years maybe three now and it belongs to the council and i just don't get why they can't send somebody in there and go right Let's get this sorted out and we'll deal with whatever the issues are separate because you know the council have the right for um compulsory purchase orders called cpo compulsory purchase order so if someone else is in charge of that and they're not making use of it they can actually go and then say well we're going to actually purchase this or take this back and handle it and deal with it and so forth i don't think that any of them are capable of doing it it's not just the major government but equally the local authorities are just as at fault because they don't recycle what they've actually got either.
0: There was a programme last week, I think it was on BBC Two, Simon Reeves' Return to Cornwall, and it highlighted another element of this that uh, I'll just uh, avail you of if you didn't see the programme. Talking about obviously the housing in Cornwall, Uh, talking about uh, how many of the homes are actually left empty off season because the people don't live there. And uh, it, as, a, as their main sort of source of housing. Um, employed people using food banks, never mind that they're unable to get a job that pays a decent wage. The young couple there having to leave their rental accommodation as the uh, owner wished to sell and had no alternative accommodation available for a family of five and they're having to live in a single room in one of the local hotels a lot of the hotels closed because they can't afford to pay for the extortion energy commercial prices and the local council this is the best bit refusing planning for 29 affordable homes that would only be used by locals because other locals blocked it just seems to defy belief doesn't it no wonder we're in a mess it's completely bizarre when you think that you know people are screaming
1: out for housing the local authority own the site and put in an application, and the neighbors of those properties objected to those, and yet those neighbors are the first ones to complain that there are you know, homeless people sleeping in, in, in their streets, um, and that then deters people to visit those towns. What people don't realize to a large extent, or in, you've heard me say this a million times, is you know the first impressions are, are the lasting impressions, and anyone that visits an area um, however, it's presented is decided in their mind whether they want to be there or not be there. And Cornwall, and, and this is a completely off the wall subject now, but Cornwall by due to panorama is a very nice area. And yes, I understand it's a seasonal tourist situation, and people have been buying properties there and putting, you know, uh, doing Airbnb uh, during the holiday season and do very well. And the rest of the time they're lying empty. And um, and because of the letting laws and all the other laws that you know of now are in or are going to come in nobody wants to put anybody in their properties so they lie empty uh, of course people have to go to hotels and even those hotels recently as you would have heard recently in the government the government has turned around and said that the hoteliers want their hotels hotels back, because they took occupation of um, all the hotels or as many as they could um spending as much as seven million pounds per day um on on covering the cost of asylum seekers in those hotels but the hotel and tourist industry now trying to get back on its feet wants the hotels back so that they can actually let it out to good people that want to come and have a holiday here and and, a rental market so the next thing we're going to have is we're going to have these people going into um uh, blocks of properties or as recently, as clever as they have, we're going to now you stick on two airfields and put prefabricated cheap houses with basic information, uh, basic um, uh, quality, so that people can be housed in them. I mean, it's just bizarre. The whole thing is is not thought out at all. And I think Gove is completely off the wall by saying it's broken. It's broken because they've broken it. Um, and they've got people in their own system that don't understand how to fix it.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, fair enough. I mean, there is certainly um, enough comment in in, in, in this um, sphere about uh, the treatment of landlords by um, the current government, because obviously, you know, not least the fact that in 2017, they changed the rules on taxation. So the DAF thing is that if you own a commercial property or if you have a hotel, you can set your expenses against your costs. Uh, your, your expenses against your profits but you can't do that if you're a private landlord so there does seem to be this uh, determination to continue because I think personally that it, they believe it's a vote winner to to have a go at landlords but the course is, as it says here 56% of landlords have already got themselves out of the property game because there's just no money yet anymore so that's just pouring more wood on the fire isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, what they're doing to private landlords is, is disastrous, to be honest with you. If, 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 if you want to use that title, the UK housing model is broken, they continue to do that with the landlords. It is not going to be broken, it's going to be completely shattered. You know, it'll be back on the ground because as these people that do buy to let and want to make, you know, properties and make an investment come out of it, where are the government going to store all these people that are no longer going to be able to have a private a landlord that's going to rent to them where are they going to put them probably get another couple of airfields and stick a few more cabins on there water cabins are us are probably going to be where they're going to be you know um, it, it's it's completely in fact I, I you know i wouldn't mind a one to one with gove if he's listening by any chance That you know to tell him that you know what you're not levelling up at all in fact, you need to get a proper spirit level because you're totally off the wall at the moment.
0: Well, they're busy uh, putting funds into the north, obviously, as it's coming near to an election time. One would argue as well. But talking about the north, there is the suggestion here, of course, that actually, you know, if you can't afford a property in London, then don't live in London. There's plenty of two and three bed houses in Doncaster for ninety thousand, and they are affordable. So, what do you? What's your? What's your response to that argument, Joe?
1: Well, people have places of work and family connections and all the other things that matter to them. Um, it's not always just about roof over their head. but if it means that they've got to start somewhere, of course, they, they need to maybe go out to come back in. It's very difficult, but they, they, that's the, the process. On the other hand, <clears throat> one could say that, you know, every time somebody says, well, it's going to be, and I'm not having a pop with the asylum seekers, but if every time it's somebody says, I need a place and the government's got to give me that. Maybe the government should invest in those 90,000-pound properties in the north and say to those people that are applying that that's where we're going to send you. So off you go, there's a house in Doncaster, wherever it is, that is got three bedrooms, a family home, and that's where we can send you. They can actually drive that and then it's a case of Hobson's Choice. You know you can't say you haven't been offered it, but if you have been offered it, then you that's what you've got to do to go. But if you continue to say I'm here to appease you, they're going to say, Anyone is going to say, Well, actually, I'd like to live around the corner from mine. It's about the same story about the chap in, in, in town many years ago who you know basically wouldn't accept a certain number of rooms in a house because he had I don't know a number off the wall 35 kids or something and he wanted a you know, a house that is gonna accommodate his family and five wives and 35 children or something. Um, and um, and the government was paying them three, four, five thousand pounds a month in rent because he wanted it there. Now, if they're actually sort of said to look, pack your bags and take your kids to the north of England and we'll find you one over there, then maybe that's what he would do. But because we you know, keel over, because we just appease the people, then everybody wants to live. In the right area where they want to be they want to be close to their family and they want to be in the areas that they were were using so you know they've got to take a stance they've got if they want to change this model and they want to you know be seen to doing the right thing by a lot of lot of people that will vote for them then they've got to start to take a stance and saying you know what we'll help you fix it but it's got to be moved you've got to move they keep telling everybody they want to invest in the north but nobody wants to go to the north there's nothing wrong with the north but It's away from their daily bread it's away from their work it's away from their family. It's away from their connection away from their doctors the things that they got used to you know you try and tell somebody that you've got to move and they might move of their own accord but if it's a needs must and the authorities have got to do what they've got to do and they have been told to provide then they've got to tell them that you can go there it's a bit like a job isn't it you know people say oh i've got to go to the job center and i'll claim to the job center because I've got to go there every week. But really, they could probably do that same job elsewhere. But why would they want to stay in their kids? Schools are there, their families there. There's lots of other reasons why they, they do not want to, to shift that.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at the first time buyers who are the other people that are particularly affected by this situation, this broken uh, housing system. If you think about it, typically they're likely to go into a uh, flat, but of course they're blighted by archaic leasehold laws. Um, we've now got a situation of course where you know if you're looking at buying a flat because the fact that uh, builders decided to get greedy with the leaseholds and start to then um, build up the ramping costs every month um, and then of course you add in the Grenfell factor as well whereby every building had to have its uh, safety certificate for fire safety um, and then lenders wouldn't lend on them because they didn't want to do their job and assess the risk and then lend the money Um, so you've got Flats not as popular as they were for all of those various reasons. And what's interesting is Michael Gove was the one that said he was going to reform leasehold, but it's all gone quiet. Yes,
1: I mean, Lisa, I mean the, the thing has gone quiet to a large extent, Paul, is because they stopped, you know, nobody's building at this moment in time because they're, they're, everybody's just holding back. And there are bigger and other issues that are on the table that they can't solve, let alone start talking about leasehold reform. the same as you know other subjects that which will probably come up onto a bit later on all of these things are all very all very well to discuss but if you can't get your house in order first with the basics you can't keep telling somebody else it's your fault it's your fault it's your fault and the lease situation i agree to a large extent that it does need a reform it is um quite archaic Um, but that's only going to happen for new builders not happening for existing people um and because you know, currently, it's so expensive to build and and funding has become uh, amazingly expensive. Lots and lots of developments are on on ice. They're just held because they're not in a position to get on with it. They don't know the exit route, for example. It's very, very well to say we need to build more houses, but people can't afford to buy the ones that they build because borrowing has become expensive. Equally, the challenges of trying to get a mortgage with the with the cost of living and all the other stuff that comes in it has become a, a very difficult ch- a challenge now for people to get a mortgage so it, it's it's a snowball effect as to where it's actually going to happen and uh, i just think at the moment they're, they're not quite sure where it is and i'm sure before we know it we'll get another housing minister coming because you know it's just a job that's been pushed around
0: Absolutely. And of course, if you uh, do want to go and become a freeholder, if you're if you're a leaseholder, of course, nowadays, you're going to have to set up a company whose membership will be all the other owners in the block of flats, however many that is, you're going to likely need a management company to look after all the statutory obligations, the onerous fire and safety regulations that now exist, you have got to maintain the lifts, the roof, the common areas, the common entry systems, security, common area cleaning, a common area lighting, just to name a few, um, and it's never really been more difficult, has it? So even if you want to go and become freehold to avoid the uh, unnecessary costs of leasehold and fully own the building, you've got a huge amount of work on your shoulders to do that these days.
1: And that's all fair and well, but half of the things are never done by the management company. You are just on a statutory charging cost. And that's why these things cause a problem, because you know sometimes you ask yourself what did they actually do for the last year to my block of flats um and i'm getting these exorbitant service charges and costs and insurances and fire safeties and all those sort of things but you know did they actually physically do anything and nine times out of ten they don't because it's an annual thing they might do it once in a year and the rest of the time they're sitting back but you know the payments are a monthly thing so some some places in town uh, i say in town in london are probably you know, uh, anything between three and ten thousand pounds a year just in service charges, let alone whatever the mortgage is going to be on top and then the rates and and so forth.
0: Well, it remains to be seen, Joe, what's done about the broken housing model in the UK. It's extraordinary that he's actually come out and said it when he's, uh, his party's been responsible for it for at least the last 12 years and arguably started the problem in the first place. But not that we try to get too political on here. That's not our intention. And... Um, um i suppose there's one thing there's one truism isn't the joe actually when you think about it the more the state gets involved in anything the more it seems to get messed up and you could talk about that with the railways back in the day uh a nationalization of all of our major things like steel and coal back in the day so let's just try and for the purposes of balance just say that whenever the state gets involved it always seems to get messed up um anyway we wanted to talk about something um It's quite important for buy-to-let landlords because um, we talked about this uh, net zero targets um, um, for 2025 and 2028. Well, it seems like, and this is, again, due to the fact there's been absolutely nothing being said about it recently, and I suspect probably they've got bigger fish to fry, but what they're saying now is that landlords must hit those targets or they'll face a ban on letting properties. But at the same time, they've extended the deadline for both whether it be a new let or an existing let, to 2028. So that's bought a little bit of breathing time. But landlords failing to comply with these new rules when they finally are released will cost, or they'll be fined 30,000 pounds. So during the tail end of 2021, the government consulted on the tightening of the rules, which would require landlords to ensure all their properties got to an EPC rating of C, rather than the current rating of E. Under the original proposals, the change would be enforced from 2025 for new tenancies and from 2028 for existing ones. But with no major update since the consultation ended two years ago, uh, the newspapers reported this week that the 2025 date will be dropped and replaced with a new deadline of 2028, giving landlords an extra three years to raise their ratings where needed. Once implemented, up to 2 million landlords could reportedly be facing having to increase their EPC rating. That's a lot of people having to go and buy a lot of DIY equipment.
1: Well, yes, I'm, I, I'd welcome the, um, the extra three years that they're talking about because there's just absolutely no way that um, this is going to happen by 2025, even if they was to set it up now um there are several things that are going to cause us a problem here first is actually finding the workers that are going to help you put these um situations um together i.e the diy um chaps who are already flooded with work i mean you try and get a hold of uh, an electrician or or a plumber or any of those people in the in the current state of affairs it's impossible for them to actually turn around and say, well, I've got to upgrade the electric. I've got to upgrade the windows. I've got to upgrade this. I've got to upgrade all of these things to bring it to EPC C standard um, in that time for all those people is going to be extremely challenging. Of course, the second part of that is the cost. Um, and the cost part of it, um, so they, they, they're they easy to throw out £30,000 worth of fine if somebody doesn't do it. Um, and if so the, the loser in this to a large extent is the landlord, because first of all, you've got to get the property vacant in order to do the works, to bring it up to scratch. And secondly, is going to lose money, uh, whether it's two, three or four month period, depending on his work and workload of no income coming in for that property. So he's going to have to pay for that from their own pocket. So there's no, it's a void period of three or four months. Um, the cost of it on top of it and of course compliance and if it doesn't comply then they can't rent it so again the government is having a great um, go at the buy-to-let market and a good percentage of people that are in buy-to-let especially in older properties are trying to exit um, as quickly as they can uh, primarily because it's come to a point where it's just not a viable proposition anymore What the government has failed to understand in this situation is that the more people come out of the buy-to-let, the the private sector, um, the more people that are going to be on their doorstep looking for a home, which they can't provide, because funny enough, they haven't built enough homes. So, um, you know, they're shooting themselves in the foot in pretty much every possible way at this moment in time. Um, And I can't see. How that is. But the only part of this particular point I'm going to say is that I'm glad to see that they're considering a three year extension because that might give some leeway.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's not lose the, the the bigger picture here. Obviously, it's good for the planet, for all the buildings in this country to be up to up to scratch. And um, it's also going to mean lower bills for the people living in them, of course, and also for, for anyone who's just doing their house up in general uh, and getting the EPC rating up. But what's interesting is the points that's been made that the Energy Efficiency Task Force has just been assembled. So they've got the people to do the job now. Um, But they're also suggesting that they might actually look at the EPC methodology itself because it may not be fit and accurate enough for purpose as it stands at the moment with just this A to E or whatever it is, um, um, rating system. They maybe need to get things a little bit more sophisticated with all of these new technologies coming in to make homes greener.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the more technology we bring into it, the more... um, we probably dig a hole for ourselves is bad enough trying to get from a to c paul let alone B to C, D and f and then trying to get some clever clog to say that it's going to now be you know you don't don't even make c because they've got ai artificial intelligence now coming in to say that you're not even standing in the wrong place or the right it's you know you, it's going to go bonkers um just get the basics if you can't get the basics we can't even get to the technology part of it um, and the basics are simple. We need to get to see. Yes, it's great for the environment, but if you're going to have enough properties to rent out and people are going to be sitting on the street, I don't think that's going to be particularly good for the environment either. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sure you'll find that people will start investing in caravans and putting up, pulling up in lay-bys and saying, okay, well, I'll just sit here. Um, and I don't think that would be particularly good for the environment. So... You know, I don't think that they're actually seeing the clearer picture that it could cause. And, you know, making the mess is easy. Tidying it up is even harder. Um, And at the moment, they will do a great job of making a mess, but I'm not sure that they'll tidy it up in time. So I think they really need to think about, you know, what they want to do in the long term. But immediately, from a buy-to-let landlord's point of view, and for clients that are buy-to-let landlords, um, they want to exit for a number of reasons taxation is huge um policies and and laws and all these things that are coming in are just not making it viable for them to continue. i get the p- fact with rogue landlords i get the fact that you know they've got to clamp down on people that are putting six or seven families or six or seven people into a three-bedroom house and all. i get that that is fair but just general stuff is just complete and utter waste of time and energy that is and probably talking moving people out of that industry out of those investments which we could desperately do with in order to make and provide the appropriate housing for the people that are desperately needed in the housing
0: yeah they make the point that most of the stock or a lot of the stock that needs to be looked at is pre-1960s and a lot of the Uh, terrace building at that time had literally one brick wall between the different terrace buildings so actually putting in a cavity wall insulation is literally going to be quite problematic to say the least Um, and to do all of this work in five years many people think is just too fast a move but um it will be interesting to see how well this uh, this goes on and whether, in fact, we do actually have to have it by 2028 or whether it'll move another three years. Uh, I just thought we'd finish on, as it's been a, a fairly heavy show today, Joe, with the stories, <laughs> but I just thought we might finish with something a little bit more fun. Um, this was spotted in the week. Um, this is a, a, a four-bed property in uh, Wales and it's attracted some unwanted attention because uh, house hunters were left surprised at how close the bathroom was to the master bedroom, dubbed the weirdest feature ever, as it's inside the same room just a few steps from the bed. So you'll be pleased to know that I do have a photograph of it, and here is the uh, said bathroom. <laughs> this is on with Davis and son's estate agents who are managing the sale of the property. They say they've removed the images from the listing because of trolls leaving prospective purchasers with an unexpected surprise when they view the property in person the open plan on suite includes a toilet fitted at the foot of the bed and because there is no partition screen those using the toilet are in full view of anyone else in the bathroom i guess when you're married you uh, you tolerate just about everything but is that going too far do you think joe
1: no i don't think so i think it's very intimate um in <laughs> in, in in the grand scheme um and uh, you know it's good when when married couples can share all of uh, their their lives together and i think uh, the builder has demonstrated this very well in where well, obviously the way the modern world is now working i mean if we're sharing everything else you know why not share the rest of it but uh, i do i do believe that um, it will be a bit of a challenge after uh, the fella has had probably about uh, you know nine or ten pints the night before out on a binge um it would be somewhat um, noisy to say the least which may not uh, be as as comfortable and perhaps as intimate as one would like but uh, look these things are great i mean what they have done here um is, is got us all talking about it so you know maybe the maybe the others the flip side of this is that uh, by doing this, the builder might sell it, and yes, it probably just needs a door on there. But it's certainly got everybody talking about it, and we're we're having a talk about it. And um, you know, um, I don't want to sort of really say, but you know, poo happens, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be the case. So I think um, you know, um, whoever buys it will have to um, decide whether they want to put ventilation or just leave it open plan.
0: The uh... Agents are uh, a little bit uh, upset, I think, by the reaction, or surprised maybe by the reaction. They said. Uh, that I'm uh, sure a married couple has seen lots of things before between them anyway and everyone has their own taste. It might not be everyone's desire but it would be easily rectified. You can easily put a wall or a screen up which is amazing why they didn't do that in the first place. It's not the be all and end all they said. Commenting about sitting and watching your partner on the loo is one thing but the actual bathroom itself is good quality and done to a high standard. That sounds like an agent doesn't it? And it hasn't been an issue for people that have been interested in seeing the property. Well I don't believe Leave that for one moment. They're probably so surprised they've gone home and talked about it in the car all the way home. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you to lighten up the mood. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, Joe, thank you so much indeed for all your wisdom each week. It's always welcome. And uh, of course, we'll be back for another Property Matters this time next week.